Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host this afternoon, and every week, really, it's the two of us. It's Pamela Bentley. Mm-hmm. It's so nice once that continuity is happening. It is. Uh, but you'll be away for a couple of weeks coming up, I right? will. That's yeah. why I was um, yeah, it's kind yeah. of making that. I will be for a couple of weeks in a row. Uh, and we have a guest in studio, which we like to do, and uh, our guest today is Jill Saran. Hi, Jill. Hello. How are you doing? Excellent. Nice to have you here. Jill is from the Thursday Writing Collective, and uh, also met him at the uh, Hogan's Alley uh, Poetry Reading, and uh, you're here to kick our show off this evening. This I am. So should I get started? Yeah, let's take it away. Okay, this is a poem called Monster Truck, which I actually wrote participating in the collective. Monster Truck. It's a truck I build, really big wheels for my little guy. I'm going to be a builder guy. Just like you, Grandpa, when I grew up. Monster truck. Once I had a monster father, rageaholic mother effer, and a shocked, emotionally challenged mother. I'm four years old, hurt, fingernail torn off, bleeding, shocked to feel, parents treating me, touching me, kindly. Spankings, blows, and beatings were my main acquaintance with touch. Monster truck for my little guy. Son of a mother I raised in kindness, completely sans violence. Monster truck for my little guy, growing up organically enmeshed in total loving compassion. Monster truck for my little guy, wee boy I hold close to me, pretending he's a little me, holding myself, little damaged boy who once was me, alone and in shock, holding him Loving me, healing me. Monster truck for my little guy. No monster people in his life. Just a monster toy. (laughs) That's the first poem I uh, heard you read at the Hogan's Alley uh, reading series. That really touched me a lot. There's a lot of stuff in there that uh, resonates with me. Um, And uh, how old is your grandson? He just turned six. Oh, wow. Yeah. And did you, is he living in British Columbia or Vancouver? No, he lives in Lynn Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So close by. I get to see him a lot and do uh, quite a bit of grandpa daycare. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Did you have something else? Yeah, no, I was going to say that I, um, the first time I heard that poem, I was really, um, I really love the circularity of it, how you start to equate what you've done with your daughter and your grandson and then that kind of gentleness is also a gentleness that you're giving yourself as a memory of being a boy. And it's, I mean, really, like you say in the poem, that's where healing comes from. It's 
Yeah, and and uh, w- I think one one of the things I want to emphasize about the poem and the message I want to get out about that too is how, you know, how damaging any kind of violence toward children is. I was just reading an article recently where it said that the incidence of depression goes up by 60% if you suffer violence as a child. The incidence of alcoholism goes up about 50%, and that's certainly been part of my life story. Mm-hmm. Uh, when about did you come to the realization that uh, if you were going to have kids or if you were going to you know, hopefully have grandchildren, that uh, you, know, you had to change uh, your family dynamic? Well, that's that's a fairly long story. Okay. But it started out with uh, getting bullied in high school, and then somehow or another I bounced back, and I beat the crap out of somebody who didn't have it coming. And I'd never heard of nonviolence in my life, but for some reason I was 16 years old, and I got this idea of looking at, and I was the hero. We're going back into school, slaps on the back and all that, because I'd beat this guy up. But he didn't have it coming, really, and, and, and I just felt really bad, and I decided to become a nonviolent person. How, where that thought came from, I have no idea. Yeah, that young, eh? That young, yeah. Wow. That's a fantastic story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, good for you. Thanks. Uh, now, one of the things, uh, we wanted to chat a little bit with you, but uh, we know that uh, coming up, you've got a, a nice, uh, and it ke- you said it keeps growing and growing and growing, uh, <laughs> this piece that it's, uh, well, we'll let you explain what it's about, but uh, it's about uh, tw- at least 12 minutes long, so we're going to let you get into it, but maybe talk a little bit about um, what it is, so and if anybody's listening, they know what, where you're coming from. Okay, it's uh, it's called Growl, and I wrote it after coming up with the idea that I was beginning to feel profoundly embarrassed at being Canadian at what our government was doing. Um, several months ago, I, next door to me is the Shop Wrong Collective. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, they were they did an evening called Hip Hop Against Harper, mm-hmm. mostly young Native guys rapping about Harper and the Canadian government. And they offered me an opportunity to read something if I wanted to read something. And so I, a couple of days before this thing was on, I wrote the first part of Growl. Okay. Yeah. All right. Clearly from the title, it's inspired by Howl. It totally inspired by Howl. I was, you know, part, started out word squatting on Howl. And then uh, some of it's probably stolen, but most of it's mine. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's uh, take a listen. Yeah, for the next uh, 12 minutes or so, our guest this afternoon, Gilles Seren, here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Our show is Wax Poetic. Growl. I see the worst minds of any generation hysterically destroying the nation's decency, pushing themselves through halls of power, seeking nothing more than more angry power. Who sell their brains to Moloch under the profits of war and oil and steel, and see a world dying but don't give a damn, low people elevated to high places, vile with cretinous intensity who wealthy and ignorant and glassy-eyed sit up drinking in the unnatural darkness of cold, well-lit, calculating boardrooms, knowing the price of everything and the value of nothing, who pass through their MBAs and law degrees, radiating icy lack of soul, hallucinating profits, steel, and more wars while surrounded by peacekeepers they won't see, and a control freak prime minister who claims not knowing who bribes whom in his totalitarian office, whose idea of paternal affection is a handshake, 
Who in three-piece suits lecture diplomat rooms, burn a hundred years worth of dialogue, slash and burn international treaty obligations, drop out of climate agreements, completely disrespect the UN, carefully built bridges, leave everything unresolved, walk away, screw diplomacy, shut down the embassy, and secretly believe end days biblical fantasies justifications as peacekeeper budgets are also slashed and burned. Diplomats muzzled by the PMO, a complete loss of our international reputation and effectiveness. Who hamstring foreign aid budgets, cripple what's left by recreating it as a crutch for business. Who refuse to read, see, think, contemplate any contraindication to their dog-eat-dog, hyper-individualistic Tea Party mentality that reduces my Canada to a flea among nations. Proof positive that their best talents seek only confirmation of ignorance, fear of long-term thinking, and strategic adventure. Who shut down every attempt to discover what's needed to clear it all up, shoot the messenger, to clear the mess that soils the commons, environment, air, water, food, but lots of money for new ways to spread hydrocarbons, and $3 billion for a three-day meeting, $5 billion more per year for jails, $5 million for military uniform-style changes, budget restraints and endless bureaucracy for injured soldiers thrown into the ditch, $1 million more in court costs to deny injured soldiers benefits. Whose shock doctrine imposition of Hayek, Friedman, Friends of Pinochet, Reagan, Thatcher, Chicago School, Neo, Lib, Con, Economics allows in Canada only throwing disagreeable people under the bus, much to their chagrin, not tossing dissenters from Chilean helicopters into an ocean a thousand feet down before landing, who refuse to help children in poverty beyond mere subsistence, who balance budgets on the backs of homeless youth, wounded soldiers, and unprotected embassies while blessing the wealthy with income splitting, who follow a prime minister, theoretically an economist, who dismantles fair tax policies such that the nation's center is incrementally dismantled, who is above meeting the Council of Federation, terrified of any hint of consensus toward constructive confederation, who prefers a firewall-insulated PMO, who, with ignorant road-to-hell intention, spread terror with tough-on-crime legislation such that a permanent criminal subculture emerges stronger in a time of declining crime, the world's lowest recidivism rate and best parole system now dismantled, agendas decried as counterproductive even in Texas, and seen as depraved, self-fulfilling prophecy creators of crime as rehabilitation, convict education, and prison farms are shut down. Who legislate capital punishment by suicide via indefinite sensory deprivation, solitary confinement, administrative detention, behavior known to be cruel, torture, and unusual punishment by anyone with any decency, whose interminable court procedures to deny First Nations existence, rights, claims, equal education funding, whose stupid-on-crime agenda disproportionately enhances a racist justice system, a slammers the answer to everything philosophy. 
who dissing responsibility to public service incrementally by the attrition dismantle my nation's center, devolve governance to corporate anarchy, destroy public broadcasting with a CBC board of conservative hacks, heavy <laughs> contributors to party funds intent on privatization. Who honor a prime minister who ignores our own broadcaster, prefers Fox News cycles that interminably report on the size of players' balls while ignoring Bible-thumping <laughs> American senators' climate change denial, all cheer for the football circus, oil, and denial of funds for alternative energy research. Who promote views that government doesn't work and government and governs such that it really doesn't. By destroying parliament, jackbooting all over democracy, gutting research budgets, dismantling environmental protection, privatizing food safety inspection, let the fox guard the chickens, as tripled cash flows into Action Canada propaganda rhetoric. Who attempt to bust every charter right we have while pretending to promote a libertarian freedom, every word redacted by P.R. Shale window dressing who fortunately regularly have their chicken wings clipped by courts and renegade judges, who ignore minimum sentence rules, grant Aboriginal title to Native groups, protect citizens' online privacy from police, prevent Senate change without provincial consent, reject inappropriate judicial appointments, strike down as unconstitutional prostitution laws, and protect a supervised drug injection clinic. Eat your gaunch, Harper Social Conservatives, Cabinet and Friends. Hmm. Who rogue, prorogue, harpia, villain, harpocracy, <laughs> such that omnibus budget bills thrashing biospheres pass, assuring ongoing friendships with Cornwall alliances, preaching environment repair, protection and mitigation, contradict God's will to expedite end days. Who secretly harbor religious conservatism, tribalism fantasies, Averse to science, embrace climate change denial, loathe logic, defy rational discovery, close the library, pass the literal scriptures, read only one book, works great in Middle East affairs and Tea Party West Virginia. Why not Canada going incrementally from democracy to hypocrisy to theocracy? who transport an entire cabinet and a full cohort of fundamentalist preachers to Israel to catalyze the conquest of the Temple Mount, thus clearing the way for a returning savior they've made into Moloch and creating more conditions for mythic apocalyptic Armageddons that play well with their base, who politicize terror in order to pump their numbers, can't straight answer anything, who erect a masterly facade of competence built on a scaffold of deception and replace rational debate with attack ads. Whose gods, money, market, and Jesus breathe fire, burn research, knowledge, science, and truth, deny researchers access to their own writing, fire the messengers, prefer a mythic unreality that lines pockets, regressive, preservative, ideological idiots, divinely inspired libertarian free market devotees of the Alberta Petro State, striving for ancient hellish completions of apocalyptic raptures for themselves, Hades is for the rest of us, slammers the answer. Who replace science and technology strategy with self-serving business strategies, ignore basic research into public health, mental health, First Nations health, environmental health, 
and endangered species protection, who believe property, who believe poverty prevention, is not a valid nonprofit charity goal. God-fearing Christians who forget their teacher, Prince of Peace, once created community, community entirely nonviolent, entirely contrary to an obscene alchemy that's transformed their idea of him into modernity's Moloch, fundamentalist, fascistic avatar, who think their locked gate enclaves will protect them from nature's wrath, from the biosphere's final storms, from evolution's direction that endowing upright apes with big brains was maybe not such a great idea. (laughs) Extinction will not spare the 10%. They are the least Hmm. fit to survive. There will be no rapture, no bliss, only a century of heat death. One more great extinction, Earth's fifth, that includes us and doesn't spare capitalism's totalitarian libertarian dinosaurs. My nation has become Moloch, ruled by a cabinet whose brains have been gobbled by a sphinx of cash, cement, oil, and steel, which cracked their skulls and sucked up their brains and imagination. Moloch, totalitarian capitalism, corporate babblism. Moloch, stunned government run by a party of one, with executive power above the law and a cabinet of clones. Moloch, mind of pure machinery, whose blood is bitumen, whose love is endless oil and steel and cement and stone, for whom the Harper government and all its neocon co-conspirators breaks everybody's back, lifting Moloch to the heavens, enriching themselves no matter how dismal the economy they create for the other 90% predatory global free traders who freed themselves with deregulation, financialization, privatization, corporatization, commodification, public goods cutbacks, commons shrinkage, who believe they keep us happy with trickle-down defecatization. (laughs) Footnote to Growl. Totalitarian capitalism's dinosaurs will not win. Their willful ignorance will not drag us down to another great extinction. We who are human, who are humus, who are earth, are reclaiming, cooperating, expanding, and rebuilding, co-creating a greater commons for the common benefit of humanity, community, our earth mother, biosphere, and whom we live, who lives in us. The great turning is here. The global village planetization of consciousness is upon us, creating a new identity, transcending survival of the fittest pathos. Darwin himself stated, humans survive by cooperation and community creation. Now the eco-literate champions of empathy, compassion, cooperation, and community who know planetary interdependence of all nature, including us, yes, we are animals, are the most skilled to adapt and to survive. It's a habitat-centered planetary commons consciousness phenomenon None of us make it until all of us do. Oof. <laughs> wow. The State of the Union Address, according to Gilles Serin. Yeah, the great Canadian poem. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, if you're just tuning in and you missed that, <laughs> oh, too bad for you. Um, our guest this afternoon is Gilles Serin here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Our show is Wax Poetic.
And actually, if you did miss that, if you did happen to just tune in, you can go to the Co-op Radio archives uh, after 3 p.m. Pacific time today and uh, go to our show, Wax Poetic, and uh, just take a listen there or download the show and uh, hear that poem in its entirety. Um, wow. How many, how many times have you um, added to that or revised it or rewritten it? Uh, it, it's almost an ongoing daily process. It's uh, <laughs> like part of it when got put in today after listening to uh, after listening to uh, question period on CBC. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I can't remember at the moment just exactly sure. which part went in today. But uh, um, yeah, it's it's just goes. Whenever I listen to the news, basically, it requires a great deal of research because you aren't just shooting off your mouth like being um, not th- what you don't like. You have got like facts in there. You are you are addressing things that are important and ongoing. Um, how besides listening to the question and answer period, how did you do that research, and how much of that mm-hmm. did you just know? Like, how is it that you know all this stuff that informs that poem? Well, I, I you know I, I read the Globe and Mail basically every day. Uh, I listen to CBC Radio all the time. I watch one or two newscasts almost every day, and and I've been doing that for a really long time. So uh, and. You know, and then I, you know, I've read, you know, I've read some biographies that have been written about Mr. Harper mm-hmm. recently, and uh, yeah, all it just goes, and and I just make notes as, sure. as, as I go along. Yeah. Now, when was the first time that you read Ginsburg's Howl? Do you remember? Uh, and do you remember it affecting you? No, know, I, I totally remember. I I I I I was having a really bad acid trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you read it. No, it's oh. when and I, and I I had this vision of something that I thought was so wonderful I would never get, be able to speak again for the rest of my <laughs> life and I was completely terrified that I would Of course, speak. you always figure out the whole meaning of life in the middle of that trip and then you can't remember it after. And you can't remember. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and and I came downstairs and kind of in tears and crying and not being able to talk and then somebody said no oh, somebody said hello to me and I was able to say hello. Uh-huh. Okay. And I started to cry, and this fellow saw something was going on, and he had a copy of Howl, and he started reading it to Whoa. me. And I followed That's Howl so back crazy. down to earth. <laughs> you followed Howl back down to Wow. <laughs> so when I first read Howl, and I, when I taught college, we used to read it as well, I had to look up who Moloch was, and you, you, you have grabbed that part of Howl and used it throughout. Can you explain why you chose that part of Howl to go, hold on to, and who or what Moloch is? Well, I, I think to me, Moloch represents like the sum total of negativity and evil, and just all the and ignorance and you know, all the bad stuff going on, you know, politically and how badly humans treat each other when mm-hmm. they have a choice to do otherwise. All, all of that stuff, everything. And who is, can you, can you explain, Pam? I, I seem to remember it had something to do with money. Like he's like the, the god or the demon of money or, or greed or avarice, which all, ties yeah. in with what you're saying. But yeah. I can't remember exactly, which is why I asked you, because I was hoping you would be able to remind me. Now, I want to know, when did you add the footnote because that also seems very Gilles, and it is also very much tied in with what you taught. Like, there's rage in this poem, but it's also 
um, holding up nonviolence as an alternative, right? Mm -hmm. That what you're criticizing them is a type of violence that they are perpetuating on the country and on the citizens of the country and on our history and our yeah so so it seems to me that that's tied in with your footnote you want people to know that you're not only raging right uh yeah that went in my first co- the first time i wrote it okay so you had it in there right from the very I, beginning. I had it in there right from the beginning um because i didn't want to just criticize everything I wanted to present the possibility that there's an alternative. It really, um, that footnote really hit everything else home. It, it was like, even in spite of all this overwhelming dickishness, that there's still um, hope. You still yeah. have hope. And that, I, you know, I find that incredibly powerful. And it was really moving for me to hear that in the context of all the other stuff that had gone along. Yeah, I mean, with if, I mean, if it just ended up with... You know, defecatization, yeah, yeah. You know, trickle down economics. Uh, it, it kind of, and and when I read it the first time, somebody actually came up to me afterwards and told me that I had brought them to a very dark place with the poem. Mm-hmm. But then they were really grateful that I did have the footnote. Yeah, I, that th- I felt brings, the same way. Brings it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and it, it provides that hope that they're not providing, that you're criticizing this system and um, particular individuals for not providing. Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to do the same thing. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people who do that kind of angry criticism can be hypocritical. And so it's, it, I think it makes it stronger that you're not. Yeah, well, and it just offers a release too. Like after all that, all that, all that, you allow something to open up and you know pour out or pour in, however, mm-hmm. however you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks. Do you have something uh, really short that you could read? Because we're almost we are almost out of time. Something that's about a minute longer or so. Um, one pager is about a minute long. One page. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll do this one. Uh, <laughs> speaking back of uh, 60s experiences, uh-huh. it's called Lysergic Soul Dream. Oh, okay, there we go. What did I learn from all that craziness 60s stuff? That I could survive wild fears, become fearless in the present, empty in presence now, to be here now. Fearlessness facing dissolving walls, walking through remaining veils, disappearing my body vanishing, all I am is a point of light traveling, a world enchanted, magic beyond beauty, full moon forest at night, crystalline lit from within, silver branches, golden leaves, rainbow scintillating mounds of jeweled fruit, forest floor sparkling, one short leap beyond consensus reality, another world, and beyond wondrous hallucinations, beyond bardo, Yet another reality waking, walking past mundane ecstasies. To space, time, where one is one and one knows. Crystal clarity, still water, peace beyond absolute stillness. A place where all existence is pure white light and I am undifferentiated light in light, ego dissolved, at one with cosmos. And meanwhile, back in the world, dancing to Jimmy's blues, Guitar amp vibes wailing up my spine, exploding up out my crown, awake, a flying dream, madness, crazy ecstasy that just knows I am completely wild. Mm -hmm. I am animal, just a knock away from heaven's door where flows divine creative energy and I surrender to life's glory. Gilles Seren, our guest this afternoon here on 
Wax Poetic. Thank you very much, Jill, for uh, all the work today. Thank you very much. Yeah. I really appreciate being here. I'm yeah. glad to have you. Yeah. Uh, quickly, just a note, uh, according to Wikipedia, Moloch ah, uh, yeah. has been used figuratively in English literature from John Milton's Paradise Lost to Ginsburg's Howl to refer to a person or thing demanding or requiring a very costly sacrifice. Oh, so there we go. So the money and the evil and the, yeah. Or ch- in this case, so they were saying to a child uh, sacrifice or uh, yeah. giving up of your soul or anything like that. Yeah. Right. So anyhow, that was that. Yeah, so, thanks. Uh, uh, a few announcements. Yeah. yeah. Wise Winter tonight continues the second uh, of the three Wednesdays um, with Jillian Christmas and... Chelsea D.E. Johnson doing a workshop, a performance, and an open mic. It was a big success last uh, week. I didn't... Did you go? But I saw um, pictures and comments on Facebook. It looked like it was a really big success. And tomorrow, so you can go to that. I think it starts at 8.30. Uh, tomorrow, there's a Twisted Poets, uh, the H's tomorrow, Heather Haley and Leah Horlick. So Haley oh, and cool. Horlick. Uh, that's at the Cottage Bistro, as always, at 7 o'clock uh, tomorrow night. What else is coming up? Something on Friday. Yeah, there's Friday, there's Friday. Uh, an event called Mashed Poetics. It's a uh, music and spoken word mashup. There is a band uh, called The Breakfast Club. We're going to be playing uh, 12 different songs, uh, movie theme songs, and there are 12 different poets writing new poems based on the songs. As an example, uh, we have... Uh, uh, the top, uh, what is it? Top Gun. What the hell? Uh, Danger Zone yeah. uh, by Top Gun. That's going to be um, Patrick Swan will be performing that. We've also uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, Time Warp, uh, Live and Let Die, uh, Do the Right Thing from, uh, or sorry, uh, Fight the Power from Do the Right Thing. All sorts of really cool songs. The band, 12 yeah. different poets, and it's at Seven Dining Lounge to, on Friday. Starts at 9 o'clock, which is uh, 53 West Broadway. Uh, Broadway in Ontario, pretty much across the street from the big sport check there on uh, West Broadway. All right. And then on Sunday, we've got Celeste Snowber and Sylvia Taylor at Poetic Justice in New Westminster at the Heritage Grill in the back room. And the Poet Laureate of New Westminster, Candace James, will be hosting. She's one of the organizers of that event. She hosts every once in a while. Um, And if you know about chicken sessions, there's one on Saturday night with Timothy Shea and uh, Jess Chilton. Jess Tolstrup. That's a lot of consonants altogether. Um, so check that out on Facebook as well. And uh, this Monday, the Vancouver Poetry Slams featuring Nadidi Cascade. And uh, sign-ups at 7 o'clock for that. And next Wednesday, a week today, there's the uh, second of the brand new uh, Youth Poetry Slam with a workshop and a feature performance, a workshop and feature by Scruff Mouth. It's at the downtown branch of the Vancouver Public Library, open to poets 13 to 19 years of age. That's the Dewey Decibel Youth Poetry Slam. And you can always go to Thursday's Writing Collective. Does it start up again this week, Jill? The 11th or 12th, whatever. The, so the, the 11th or 12th of February, it starts up again after a midwinter break, and that's down at the Carnegie Center in what time? Classroom 2, third floor. And what time? Two o'clock. Classroom two, third floor at two o'clock on Thursdays, either eleventh or twelfth of February. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, for being our guest today. Yeah. Well, it was thank great. you. Really appreciate being here. Enjoy, I enjoyed that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm RC Westlowski. And I'm Pam Bentley. This has been Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO one hundred point five FM. We'll be back next week. No apologies necessary is coming up next. 
You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? 